3: Welcome to Strange Familiars, Allison. Yes. How was your Thanksgiving?
4: It was fine.
3: I threw you for a loop. See, so you thought I was asking how you were doing. Yeah. I got to mix it up.
4: I didn't make mashed potatoes, which was the fatal flaw in the whole thing. Yeah, well,
3: there's always time for mashed potatoes elsewhere.
4: That actually, like, I would put that on a T-shirt. There's always time <laughs> there's always for, time mashed, for potatoes.
3: mashed potatoes. <laughs> on tonight's show, I'm going to be talking with Eric, who has brought some of his family stories, which really cool stories from his father and mother. When they were real young, back in Mexico, a story about a big black dog, a giant black dog, and some witches. He's got a story from his uncle. He's got his own story about encountering this, I guess we'll call it a hat man thing. Really cool stories. Before we get to that, though, I want to thank our patrons. Thank you, patrons. Thank you for your help. Thank you for your support. We could not make Strange Familiars without your help. If you like what we do and you'd like to help us make Strange Familiars and get more content besides, you can become a patron at Patreon, patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. All of our patrons get commercial-free versions of the weekly shows, plus extra exclusive shows every month.
4: I know you just did one with Josh when he was visiting. I can tell because my microphone is probably 10 inches higher than it was before. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. He is a very tall man. He is the—I mean— Tim is a big guy he's He's a tall man, he's big you know, like you're not an insignificant person. Mm-hmm. but next to Josh, you look very small in comparison.
3: Our son compared the two of us as if you're familiar with Game of Thrones, the hound and the mountain standing next <laughs> to each other. so
4: neither one insignificant. right, right but
3: The mountain is uh is quite a measure bigger than the hound.
4: I like I like because Josh is like the world's least likely fairy expert. And I just love people who <laughs> defy all expectations and are just truly themselves. So
3: Yes, Josh helped me do another reading from the Bigfoot in Pennsylvania that you and I have been doing. So he helped me do uh, the next segment of that. Still got a, a good bit to go on that, though. But that was our patron episode for this month. Sometimes we do one, sometimes we do more than one. We also gave a bonus episode this month from The Flower Path, a patron episode from The Flower Path, because it tied in with Strange Familiar stuff. So you always get bonus content, and you help support the show. Again, it's patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, there's an option there as well, patron of the strange. You get the commercial-free weekly shows and the bonus patron episodes monthly as well. Once again, thanks to the patrons. Before we get to the interview, I do want to mention a couple things. I've been mentioning many, many times now about Maynard. I don't know why he can't get disability. I mean, the, the system seems to be messed up. Let's say, yeah. But for some reason, he can't. Hopefully, he will.
4: There's always a huge lead time, you know, in the yeah, interim. He doesn't.
3: He lost a leg. I mean, if you can't get disability, yeah. After that, I don't know what more they can do. In any case. It is the time of year where people are thinking about giving. Maynard could use our help. I have a link to his GoFundMe in the show notes. If you can help, please do. Also, I want to mention some new merch. I forgot to mention, I got these really awesome Bigfoot with Orb, the cover of Where the Footprints End, Volume 2. It's one of my favorite Bigfoot pieces I've ever done. Probably my favorite Bigfoot drawing I've ever done. I got canvas prints of them. I had a few of them made before they're very expensive to make, so I can only get a few made here and there. These are eleven and a half by fifteen and three quarters inches, so they're pretty big. they're canvas prints they're wrapped canvas, so they're ready to hang. You can frame them if you want, mm-hmm. but you can hang them as they are as well because the canvas kind of wraps around the stretchers.
4: And it has a like a sawtooth or something on the back yeah right?
3: yeah they they're ready to hang. Yeah. You can hang them right now or or you can have them framed if you want like i said it's it's my favorite bigfoot piece I've ever done. I'm real psyched about it. So we got those back in. Those are in the Etsy shop. Black dog hoodies. We have sizes medium through 3X. Everybody who pre-ordered them, your hoodie went out. I think I mailed out the last of them on Saturday. But we do have a few extras. Right now, like I said, we have sizes medium through 3X. Not many of any. Limited and, quantity. Y- yeah, 30, yeah 30. Very, very limited quantities of those. So if you want one, go ahead and grab them. They're in the Etsy shop or strangefamiliars.com slash merch. Within the next week, week and a half, we'll be getting mugs in, Strange Familiars mugs. We had them before. These are a new design. They're actually the black dog design, again, for, that we used on the sweatshirt and, and have them on the t-shirts. There's a limited number of those. There's just a few of them. They'll be in the Etsy shop. I'll mention them again next week unless they sell out. Also have even fewer of the, the Bigfoot with orb design on mugs and Flowered Path as well. They'll be in the Etsy shop. Our Etsy shop name is Lost Grave. If you type in Lost Grave, you should see our stuff come up. There's also links in the show notes, of course. And I have one. I think I can make two more, but there's one up on Etsy right now. We were able to source some antique crucifixes. They're actually from the 1800s in France. And I made a rosary with one. I can make a couple more, I think, because I think we got three of them. So that's in the Etsy shop as well. It's a little more expensive than the other rosaries, but it's an antique crucifix. I mean, I think they said they were meant for, for nuns' crucifixes or something, the place where we source them. So that's up there as well. Again, shopping in our Etsy shop helps us out as well. I'll try to make posts on Patreon and on Facebook and Instagram and stuff about the mugs when they come in. The hoodies are available now. The canvas prints are available now. Again, check it out. Shop name is Lost Grave at Etsy. And there are links in the show notes. All right, let's go ahead and get to my interview with Eric. Tonight I'm talking with Eric, who has some stories from his family and some stories of his own as well. How are you doing tonight, Eric?
2: I'm well. How are you doing?
3: I'm doing great. Sounds like you got some interesting stuff to talk about here. Where do you want to start?
2: I guess we can just start with my dad's story. If you don't mind, a little bit of background. Oh, please.
3: That that helps. Yeah.
2: So I'm originally from Oxnard, California. My parents are originally from Mexico, specifically a state of Zacatecas and specifically the city of Jerez. And they um, obviously moved out here and settled in Oxnard, California. So, my father's story takes place in Jerez, Zacatecas. Jerez, Zacatecas does have a city, obviously as far as just normal city, but it also has a lot of farmlands and a lot of ranches. And my parents were both specifically raised on ranches, very rural areas. My father was around the age of 11. And he was kind of like a rebel and even though he had um older brothers and um, several siblings because back then that's just the way it was yeah. i would say this is back in the 60s mm-hmm. where they lived during that time there was no electricity this was just uh, i think they used um those lamps that have like oil in them mm-hmm. yeah. and whatnot
1: mm-hmm. and
2: you're talking about dirt roads You know, just a a very different world than the one that we know now. So he decided to attend this school dance, even though my grandmother had told him he was not allowed to go. This was a role even for his other um, older brothers, my uncles. And the reason why was because during that time, his grandfather the father of my grandfather was very ill and essentially on his deathbed. So it was a very sensitive time and the family was essentially already kind of like in mourning. But my father decided to go to this dance anyways. I believe he left. It may have been probably dusk, not that bad, but, on returning, which was around 1130, because I just asked him about this. He said it was obviously very dark then. And again, this was probably, I want to say, like between a mile and two miles was the distance between the school and where they lived. He said um, returning, he noticed... Well, let me backtrack a little bit. The road that he was taking or the roads, there would be clearings, yet there would also be areas where the trees were kind of like surrounding. So it was like a mix of both. But either way, it was dark. This was darkness. He noticed that there was this silence in the air. No crickets, just nothing, which he found odd but didn't mind much didn't pay much attention to he also knew that there was uh, a lot of dogs on the way home in regard to dogs that were kept by certain people on their properties and they were also quiet Hmm. so he remembers air hitting his his ears kind of like I guess, yeah, like gusts of air. And he started hearing noise in back of him. But I believe he was so terrified, he just did not want to turn around. He was getting relatively close to his home. When he finally did turn around, he saw this massive beast. And it was a dog but he states it was the size of, um, like, a bull. Whoa. Abnormally large. Yeah, yeah. Black. I haven't really gotten an answer in regard to what type of dog, but I suspect it wasn't like a shaggy dog. I think it was more like a hound. Mm -hmm. When we were growing up, this was one of the stories he would share with the family, and everyone loved it, all my cousins, you know. I think back then he exaggerated that there was flames coming out of the eyes. But now with, um, I think, special effects, he's kind of taken it back and stated it wasn't flames. It's that the dog's eyes were red and they were glowing. Wow. And they were fixated on him.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: And the dog was just looking at him. And he, believed believe in a state of shock. Uh, Just kind of tread a bit, fell, fell over something like a log or something. And from there on in, he tried to get back up, but he essentially crawled his way home at that point. Wow. It's like a horror movie, right? (laughs) Wow. You know, the only change since I was a child has been that now he stated that there wasn't fire out of his eyes. It was just a red glow. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, um, looking into it, I, I called it a hellhound because I think there have been reports of such a canine a- around the planet now for a long time. Sure, yeah. I know in Europe they have um, their own names, um, like Old Chuck, something like that, I think I read one. Chuck, oh, I think it is, yeah. It's yeah. something like that, yeah. and apparently um, they might appear at crossroads, mm-hmm. something about crossroads as well he stated that you know he he got in to the house i think once the adrenaline wore off he just um, shut down and fell asleep and he did share it with i believe my grandmother and her being your typical catholic woman mother grandmother <laughs> just reprimanded him and basically told him in spanish you know, that's what you get. for <laughs> obeying me. That's, mm-hmm. you know, you know your grandfather's ill. You shouldn't have gone out there. And she essentially said, the devil appeared to you in the form of a dog. Mm. That's my father's story of what he saw when he was a child, uh, wow. 11. You know, you obviously know your dad.
3: And you said the story hasn't changed. Is his demeanor, when he tells the story, can you tell, is, was he pretty affected by this?
2: Yes. Yes, he was. I think he changed a bit as far as well into his teenage years. I think he straightened up a bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I don't even like laughing about it because, I mean, I think some people do stay uh, it it is trauma.
3: No, oh, yeah, it is. It is, and the, the humor is in the straightening up. You know, not the not the right, yeah. right.
2: Yeah. yeah, I know. And also, just to paint the picture out there in regard to the life out there at this time, my grandfathers they were both in the United States working over here. Literally, one of them was in Detroit, Michigan, working on the railroad, and they would send money back. So my grandmothers. Very much stayed on the ranches on their own. Now, you had neighbors, but your neighbor was, I don't know, like, it's it, its not like suburbia, you know, where mm. they're like right next door. They're far. So, yeah, it, they they were raised tough and it was rough out there for them. If I could now jump into my mom's story.
3: Sure. Just one last question as regards your dad. Do you think he believes it's from the devil or demonic or just something else?
2: I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. And that was another reason why I wanted to be on your podcast because you were raised Catholic. And I think I also heard you say that um, uh, one of your shows mentioned, uh, I think it was a show you guys were discussing. You guys had just seen um, The Cure in concert.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: And something about that you have a lot of, I believe, um, Virgin Mary statues. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm the same way. I'm the same way. So we are Catholic. And my father is Catholic, and he does believe. I think for him, he just left it that that's what he saw. And I don't know what more he gives into it in Mm -hmm. regard to what it could have been. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. it will keep
3: you from sneaking out to go to dances, though, i tell you
2: that. Yeah, you know, uh, I don't go out as much as I used to. But I remember, I think especially when I tell you one of the other stories, I remember, um, you know, kind of going out. I live in Long Beach now and kind of walking the streets late at night by myself, walking back home. And it's not something I would do now. Um, at all for several several different reasons but even just talking about this and being reminded about this it's like I don't care if it is the city you don't know what's what could appear (laughs) you. (laughs) you know and I'm not talking about you know humans I'm talking about other things that could happen so going to my mom's story and mind you the two families didn't know one another my parents didn't meet in Mexico. They met over here in the U.S. once they were both adults, obviously. But they happened to, to
3: just grow up in the same area. In the
2: same, yeah. That's yeah. wild. That's, that's kind of, uh, yeah, yeah, it is a bit interesting. That way. I never really thought about it much. So the same scenario my, on my mom's side. My grandmother was left raising um, a lot of the kids on her own because my grandfather was over here working. And uh, here's like a little tiny nugget, and it just makes me think of something that could not be human. I think my mom told me there was times back then that stones would be thrown at their home, huh. like in the middle of the night. Interesting. I think um, my grandmother went outside, and yeah, they had guns then. So she, I think at least a couple of times she went outside, and she shot a couple of bullets out just into the air mm-hmm. and it stopped. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> but just now kind of hearing about a lot of what stones being thrown at home could mean. Oh yeah. yeah. It's suspicion that, I mean, you think about it, why would people do that in the middle of the night? You know?
3: Yeah. Like if either it's going to go further, you know, if it is people, it's going to go further to some, you know, very nasty situation. Or they're not like, especially if you do it once and somebody comes out and shoots a gun up, he's like, "That's the end of it," you know. Like, oh yeah, this prank isn't worth it. But yeah, that's yeah, yeah. That my my uh, Spidey sense is going off on that as far as something being a little
2: odd. Exactly. Exactly. Somewhat similar situation. My grandmother took my mom. My mom must have been like eight, and I think. Two more of her siblings, an older brother and a younger brother, they had met up with one of their neighbors, another lady, who also had a couple of her kids with her. And they were going to go visit some other people. And this is all walking. So everything had started off with the sun out. But apparently, they just kind of miscalculated, waited too long. By the time they were attempting to go back home, it was dark. So the same thing, just really dark country roads. And they were walking, and apparently at a certain point, they noticed. And again, there was clearings, and then there would be, like, trees and But I guess at a certain point, there was this clearing and they saw these white floating figures. There was three of them. I think they were floating, my mom said, like 10 feet off the ground. She called them brujas, which is witches in Spanish. Mm -hmm. But after getting more details, they didn't really have like a female face or hair They were all just these white, opaque, almost soft white glow figures. You almost want to think, not humanoid, kind of like I guess the classic figure of a ghost with the sheet, but it wasn't a sheet, you know. Mm Kind of like floating. But she said they were doing this weird rotation. Like, there was this rhyme and reason behind it all. Wow. It wasn't that they were just sitting there floating. They were kind of doing this whole thing, whatever it is. My mom, well, I think everyone saw it. The kids freaked out. My mom said that she just remembers grabbing my grandmother's dress and pressing her face (laughs) into the Mm -hmm. dress i don't know, just fear, terrified, because they were all yelling in Spanish, oh, my God, it's witches, it's witches, it's witches. And that my grandmother and the other lady sort of hushed the children and told them, this is all in Spanish, just keep walking, just keep walking, just keep walking. And that they did walk far enough that they finally got away from them and they, they each... Each mother got to their own home. So that was my mom's story. Saying it out loud, it's it is weird and unique that my parents both from the same town experience, you know, these these things separately in their adolescent. One kind of sees fire red and the other one sees white,
3: you yeah. know. <laughs> I saw something this goes back to probably twenty seventeen. I've sorta of got a little bit of chills as you're telling your story because About, I want to say it was about 10 years ago, maybe a little more, these videos on YouTube started showing up of people filming what they were calling flying witches in Mexico. And they didn't look, to me they looked like it was a person kind of riding some kind of like machine almost. Like it looked like a person standing behind a a podium, right? And the whole podium was flying. Like it was some kind of like, Flying, but it didn't look right, and it was this is before drones, you know, or maybe certainly before you know there were drones big enough to you know carry people, and people were like, oh, it's an ultralight, and it's this and it's that, you know, people debunk it the way they debunk everything, and it didn't look super convincing to me, right? I I looked at it, I was like, I don't know what that is. I'm sure it's just somebody playing a prank. Maybe it's balloons under a sheet or something. I don't know what it is, until I saw something that looked just like that, and I, I was in that place we call Hex Hollow. It was a December day. I remember it was super windy. It was so windy, Allison didn't even want me to go hiking that day. I remember her saying, you shouldn't go. You know, the branch is going to come out of a tree and hit you on the head. But I was like, nah, I want to go hiking. So I was there alone. Very, very windy day. And I see something in the sky. And I look up and I see this thing. And the only way I can describe it is it's exactly like those videos from Mexico that's exactly what it looked like, except they were black in those videos. And whatever I saw was white. It was a super windy day. Like no ultralight. I don't think could withstand those winds. It was really weird and really bizarre. And it was like kind of hovering in the sky and then, then just went behind a tree. But like, this was broad daylight. It was weird. It was weird. And and, of course just connecting the dots for me, it's like, Oh, I I remember those videos, but they were for a hundred percent. I know they were from Mexico. They were things that people had filmed in Mexico and like even I, like I said, when I saw him, I was like, ah, that's that's probably nothing, nothing to see here. Until I saw whatever I saw looked exactly like those things. I don't know, you know, related, not related. But your the story when you said it was white just very much reminded me of that.
2: And you're saying it was a windy day. Oh, super windy, like really windy. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's just interesting because one of the things with the internet is and just this explosion of podcasts, especially the supernatural. People are seeing something, you know, Mm -hmm. we're seeing something. You just cannot deny that, especially Mm -hmm. when the testimonials, when the people get emotional. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, like we were talking about, like, you know, it's real trauma, you know, they saw something Mm -hmm. and it terrified them.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was the thing that finally, you know, moved the needle for Allison from disbelief, not, you know, thinking that everybody was making stuff up, but just kind of be like, "Ah, I think they're mistaken. To uh f- we were at apple twitch day one year and she was talking to some guy well she saw some guy talking to me but he was so serious and so emotionally affected i think that moved the needle for her she she looked at me and she says, whoa i don't know he, he saw something and yeah um, and, and like her sort of attitude towards all of it was changed because she recognized that emotion and that realness i guess that, that the guy was bringing
2: absolutely yeah. absolutely yeah so yeah that's my um Mom's story, and I think the youngest sibling that was with her, he's my uncle that, well, I would share the story about the university. So my uncle's story goes back to, I believe, the late 90s, early 2000s. This happened at California State University, Channel Islands in Camarillo, California. And, um, anyone can do some general searches if they want, but there's plenty of stuff online. A little history, Cal State Channel Islands used to be the Camarillo State Mental Hospital. And it was open from the late thirties to the late nineties. And again, if you just Google the history of the hospital, there's a plethora of stuff out there. Um, apparently, um, there was a lot of abuse, mm. lobotomies, I believe, electric shock therapy, um, a lot of extreme forms of what they call quote-unquote therapy. So in the late 90s, state of California was deciding what to do with it, I believe turning it, one, either into a prison or turning it into a university. They went with the university, which I think was – Great choice um, just because, again, Camarillo is basically right next to Oxnard where I grew up. And I could tell you there, there weren't any universities nearby. So th- this was really serving that community well. In fact, I went there one semester. So my uncle worked for a construction company. And these were all contractor jobs, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, like you had to bid on a job because there was so many different projects to do. Pavement, painting, you know, you're going to work on this, you're going to, you know, there, there was just, there was different companies, I think, working on different things. Mm-hmm. It's just a yes. massive undertaking.
3: Yeah, yeah. When I did telephone work, we were involved in a lot of stuff like that where
2: we'd be doing telephone work next to another company who's doing plumbing, next to another company who's doing whatever. Exactly. And yeah. you could only imagine the condition, I w- oh, I would imagine the condition of, this hospital that mm-hmm. just basically kind of went to hell. So they specifically one day were working on what is the library. Now I know this library because I, again, I, I went there one semester and it's kind of like the center of the school. And apparently they were working underground because like multi-level
5: mm-hmm.
2: it was like this underground, large, massive area and they were utilizing a shaft, right, like, kind of like to get down there. And they were demolishing, tearing down walls, all kinds of stuff. And one of the workers was using one of those little bobcats. Mm-hmm. You know what? The, you, yep. I mean, yeah, or your viewers can Google that. It's like a little tractor.
3: Yeah. yeah they,
2: and they were using that going up and down this shaft to uh, gather the debris and bring it back up to clear it out. And the fella using this, my uncle described as very serious, straightforward, just kind of like no joking around guy, pretty quiet. And they said there was a few guys up, kind of like just keeping an eye and keeping watch of everything. And this guy was going down there by himself to get the debris and then going back up. They said at a certain point, he said at a certain point that they just heard yelling down there, just yelling. This guy was yelling. And he made his way back up. And everybody was like, what's going on? Are you okay? What's, are you, what's going on, man? And that this guy was like, everything's fine. I don't want to talk about it. I just want to you know, effing finish this job. I just want to finish this. I just want to finish this. Just let me finish this and that's it. And he finished. My uncle is a very charismatic guy, very personable, very friendly, very nice. And he said a few days later, because these jobs I think take at least a few weeks, he saw the guy kind of like hanging out on his own and that my uncle went and basically asked him about it. He's like, hey, uh, I know you haven't talked about it, but can you tell me what happened down there? And that the guy said, that he was noticing as he was going down there to pick up the rubble and everything, he started hearing like whisperings and mind you, it's dark down there. I mean, I think they had some staged lighting, Mm -hmm. but overall it's dark. And that, the whispering just kept getting louder and louder and louder until it became full-on voices. And also, if you look at a bobcat, you know, like, you kind of have that front glass, plexiglass window. But other than that, you're not really protected. Like, right, yeah, so- it's
3: kind of open on the sides. yeah.
2: Yeah. He started feeling fingers touching him. Ooh. And... That along with the voices, where he couldn't really make out what they were saying, he just snapped. He snapped and completely lost it and just yelled, and obviously I'm paraphrasing, but just yelled, you know, stop it, stop it, stop it, leave me alone. I'm just doing my effing job. I will be out of here. I will be out of your way. Just let me finish my job. Just let me finish it. And that it stopped. Mm. But he said, that's what happened down there, if you really want to know. And he told him, because after that, he wouldn't do such jobs. I mean, I'm surprised he even finished it. You know, I think a lot of guys would have been like, nope, I'm done. Right. But. My uncle s- shared several different stories about workers experiencing activity there, just a few others. Because sometimes they, well, they did do, do overnight shifts. I think that was even before the school opened. But especially after the school opened, in order to not disturb students and uh-huh. the staff, they had to do overnight shifts and I say this as well because I know when I went, the school was still relatively new. I mean, it was, like, in its, in its first few years. And I don't want to say it. Like, I haven't been there in, like, over 10 years. I don't know what it's like now. But um, to me, it didn't seem like a very large school. Like, you could do a whole turnabout and you could go like all around it and see the back. I could tell you that when I went there, the backside was not developed yet. Mm -hmm. It was still the original everything. And, you know, people make rumors. I heard so many rumors when I was going there because I, I asked a few people, a few people, I was like, you know, the front, they have it so well, designed it looks great then you go to the back (laughs) it's like what's going on back here well like anything else i I think it was just budget they couldn't just do it all all at once yeah yeah Uh, it was just too much so someone told me apparently there were still padded rooms that were like not developed yet or changed and someone else told me because there was this one area of land. It was really weird. It was this grass area, and it had a weird smell. It had a weird odor to it. It really did. And I remember I had asked people about it, and someone told me. I don't know if this is true or not, Who knows? But this is just the rumors you hear. Someone said, hmm supposedly um the staff didn't want to deal with having a like clean restrooms or whatever so they used to take a lot of the patients out to use the restroom there on that grass area and all of that usage just embedded itself into the (laughs) you know it was things like that yeah yeah that just made the whole school ominous you know
3: yeah, yeah these mental institutions from the past were rough places yeah. You can find horror stories about modern ones, but back in the day they were you did not want to be there.
2: Yeah. So going back to some of the other stories, there was guys that worked overnight jobs and sometimes like you said maybe it was an electrician, who knows what it was, piping whatever. I think he said there was at least one guy <laughs> cuz they had like a foreman, I think. I'm not sure what that means in construction, but you know, that they had like the guys that were overseeing. Mm-hmm. And they would meet up with them, I don't know, around six or seven in the evening. Be like, all right, this is what you have to do tonight. I'll see you tomorrow at 5 a.m. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: We. <laughs> you know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable.
2: did something like that for sure, <laughs> and they'd be there on their own some of them reported seeing children running this was like in the middle of the night mm-hmm. so they were like and this could have been before the school even opened more reason to say why would there be children here right right, right. there was some guys that would not come back and they were like i don't care you know, I'm not i or or I'm not gonna do any more overnight shifts. Just day shifts, mm-hmm. I guess. But I can tell you, um even driving there, it's essentially at the edge of the Santa Monica Mountains. You'll see deer on the way there. Cause I remember seeing deer on the way there. I mean it's it's out there, kinda like in the middle of nowhere. So there definitely is um an energy. I believe to that space that land and I think going back to what you said you know these hospitals were rough how could they not sustain such energy right you know with so much torment that happened I think a lot of it now is a matter of fact because of like cases that came out patients making the claims of abuse Mm -hmm. of what happened
3: When you were attending there did you know your uncle's stories
2: no I didn't mm. I didn't know yet until he it was, so when he told me I got really excited I was like oh my god please tell me what and then he told me I was like unbelievable I remember having I think I only had one night class it was it was creepy at night driving back you're going through these roads so I think for anyone that wanted to, they could make an amazing documentary yeah. <laughs> out yeah. of the school. <laughs> but I'm sure the school probably doesn't want that. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I, you know, I, and I'm sure it's not the only university that has you know, such activity.
3: Um, oh, yeah, and and I mean, these mental institutions have been converted to different things all over the country. There was one. I had a pen pal, I remember, this goes way back to like 90, 1990 maybe, 91, 92, and she told me, like, she was going to college in Massachusetts, and she kept telling me about this abandoned gothic mental institution, and I thought, like, okay, whatever, right? Like, you know, wow. we were into like spooky stuff and everything, I'm like, okay, like, you know, she's telling a story, like, this can't be true, and then I went up there to visit someone else, like, just randomly happened to be in the same area and he's like hey let's go to this abandoned mental institution I'm like what he's like yeah it's it's right, right over here right outside of town like let's go check it out it's really cool and I was like oh okay and I was like oh she wasn't lying and we <laughs> went there and I mean this place was incredible it, they had guards and stuff you had, so you had to be careful I think we went into like one room and then it just got, it got sketchy not because of you know spooky stuff but because you know we were afraid we were going to get caught by guards and stuff so we didn't go very far inside. But I, pen pal of mine had told me that she had been all through the place. And there was, like, tunnels underneath it and stuff. That is now apartments. And the last time I was up there, like, I drove by, I was like, oh, it's, they turned it into apartments now. And I'm just thinking, like, yeah. I wonder what those people have. <laughs> like, I, I'd love to get some stories from that because that place was weird. It was they rude.
2: converted them to apartments. Yeah, yeah. Oh, goodness.
3: Yeah. The massive building, too. Like, just massive massive
2: building wow yeah if i can add one more thing to it there's also growing up now this is way back well into my junior high well high school years because i went to school in oxnard again Um, so there's this place called scary dairy that is near the university it used to be a dairy farm that was ran by the staff and the patients when it was a hospital and they were using it as a it it was maintained by them as a form of work experience and also additional income i believe for the hospital Mm -hmm. yeah as high school kids i only went once but we went at night and it was blocked off we couldn't go through but it was so common to hear high school classmates that they would ditch school and go to Scary Dairy. Hmm. <laughs> and you can also Google it, and it comes up, Scary Dairy, like, and it's this abandoned dairy farm that now it's all tagged up with graffiti. But, yeah, that's another little, um, I don't know if that's haunted. I don't see why it would be. Mm-hmm. but yeah that was a, another little um something to add to to it that even growing up in high school there there was just something about that area that you just knew uh it was almost like forbidden you know mm-hmm. yeah, and, yeah. and you're not supposed to be going out there and of course now it's a university <laughs> so, if you want we can jump into my story sure yeah so this happened in um Around I think it was 2006, and it was on Thanksgiving. I remember that. It was on Thanksgiving. And I had already moved out here to Long Beach, and I had gone back to visit family for Thanksgiving. I had touch bases with my high school friends, but they just had never left Oxnard. Mm -hmm. They just stayed there, Mm -hmm. and they were now spending their 20s there. All of our families had already had Thanksgiving dinner, so it was, I reached out to them and we said, do you guys want to hang out? Yeah, let, let's hang out. And I went and picked one of them up and then we went and picked the other one up. Now they're cousins, so they're close by default. And I can tell you, Tim, they were raised very Catholic. They were the type of people, they came from families that would host their local priest for dinner at least once a week. Mm -hmm. The parents sang in the choir, you know, just involved in the food banks and all that stuff. Bible study. My family was not like that, but they were. So we picked my female friend up first and then we went to pick up my male friend. It was already dark. I don't think it was late, but it was already dark. His house had this long driveway. So if you're talking about like a typical normal street with a sidewalk, you know how there's that indention that happens so that a car can go up into a driveway like it flattens out? Yeah.
5: Mm -hmm.
2: I pulled up to there, but – I wasn't completely in the driveway and I wasn't really on the street either. I was just kind of like right on the sidewalk. And I think that was because they had gas and I couldn't go all the way into the driveway. But I wanted to be out of the street, you know.
5: Mm -hmm.
2: So I was basically where my door was, where the, the, the front passenger doors, it was the sidewalk area. Right. My friends coming down. The sidewalk and me and my female friend, we're talking about whatever and we see him coming down and we don't make much of it. I remember I noticed he was looking towards my left-hand side. He opens the right-hand rear passenger door and before he even gets in, he says, you guys, who's that man? And we look to my left-hand side And coming down the sidewalk is this figure in black, but I can give you the details. It, I want to say it was like six, it could have been like six, two, six, one feet tall. Mm -hmm. It had a short brim fedora hat. It had a black trench coat. It had a, the, the collar for the trench coat was folded up and it was covering most of its face. And its posture was very kind of like, um, like you're about to get in a bar fight with somebody. Mm-hmm. Your chest is puffed up, your arms are to your side, its arms were to its side and it had where the I guess the trench coat broke on the hand area, on the wrist area, there was a break, and then there was a black glove. And the hands were clenched. And the trench coat was completely buttoned down. Mm -hmm. And it didn't have feet. It was floating. And where there should have been like wrist, skin, and where there should have been a face. It was like a white fog, white mist. Yet there was some form to it. The face had no eyes, no nose, nothing. It was just this whiteness. Wow. And it was coming right at me because it was coming my way. And it was coming fast enough, I'll never forget, you could see its chest impression. Like, I don't know if that makes sense. It was floating so fast, like it's kind of, you can make out the chest. Sort
3: of like the fabric was kind of pulled back. Yes, yes, yes.
2: Yeah, from the motion or whatever, yeah. I wrote this down on purpose just because I remembered. If you Google Dick Tracy um, movie
5: Mm -hmm.
2: and then type in the blank, it kind of looked like that. I remember seeing that movie when I was a kid. And now in retrospect, that's kind of like what it looked like.
3: Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it right now.
2: I remember I cussed at my friend and said, you know, get the F inside the car right now. And I pulled out. It was just going. And I pulled out to my right side. So it was coming down and we were now facing it, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. It kept going. My friend, his house had this, they only had one single front yard light. And it was this blue light. It was strong, but it was just this ugly blue. And it was hitting it as it was going. And I remember I stopped and I kept asking my friends. uh, And they were silent. They were completely 100% silent. Mm -hmm. And I kept asking them, you guys, what is it? What is it? And they were just quiet. They were quiet.
3: and um, So it continued just past your car?
2: It continued. It just kept going. Mm -hmm. You know, you look back and you're like, oh, you could have done, you know, you followed it or but you're not (laughs) yeah no you're not thinking like that right No, no, that's that's the yeah that's the people who have not experienced it yeah right (laughs) well it's like anything else it's so easy to say that you 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 know i would have done this but no you wouldn't have because you just don't know yeah like you said unless it happens to you
3: Mm -hmm. i've had people tell me that if i'm ever in the woods and i see something i'm gonna run right at it and i've been in the woods with them and lit up eyeshine. shine. Now this happened to be a deer, but <laughs> we didn't know it. You know, we I just lit up the eyeshine shine my headlamp, and this person got right behind me. They did not run at anything. <laughs> and I'm thinking, uh huh. It's a little bit different when you're out there. <laughs> yeah, here.
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're. Well, first of all, it's that adrenaline, right, that kicks in, and also like the shock that you're seeing something so. You, we we don't even need to say supernatural you can at least say abnormal right right this is like it's like seeing a car accident or something this mm-hmm. is not something normal that you see
3: right I don't think to pull out my phone when things you know what i mean like exactly and, yeah.
2: exactly yeah I, exactly
3: I think it's yeah. like ideal thinking would be like yeah I would take out my phone and get the best picture it's like but no, i mean it's easy to say but when it happens you're just so like well what what's going on here
2: we went back to her house I think I was kind of like trying to talk and they were just really quiet they really were in shock Mm -hmm. I think they registered it as something evil and we went back to their house and this is over 10 years ago so I'm really trying to remember this Their parents came home because they had gone to visit extended family also after their Thanksgiving dinner and they were just getting back. And we told them, and they kind of laughed it off, which quite frankly was like upsetting, you know, it was a little upsetting. Yeah, Yeah. But I also think now that I'm saying this out loud, I think maybe they also did it. As to so to not freak us out anymore <laughs> than we already were.
3: It very much could be that. Yeah.
2: You know, you already see someone in distress, you don't want to add to it. Right. right. And this is all unplanned. This is really unplanned. So that happened. I came back to um, Long Beach and kept living my life, obviously, and we lost touch. We lost touch. I lost touch with both of them. I remember chatting with them maybe on Facebook or something. And I remember bringing it up. Do you remember when we saw that thing? They did not entertain that chat that really. Hmm. They didn't. Yeah. Now we're going on 2023, post-pandemic. Years have passed. And these were like my two best friends from high school. Around two months ago, I was visiting my family. And it's the house that I grew up in. My mother still lives there with my brother. And it's a Sunday, and we had just ordered pizza. And it was like dusk. It was getting around dark. And the whole, like the pizza delivery was kind of like on its way. So we were anticipating it and I left the front door open with the screen. And I see two figures coming up my driveway. It was my two friends. It was my two friends that I saw that hat man went with.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: And I looked and I'm like, uh, is, is that really that? And, and they sure enough. And they just out of the blue, out of the blue decided to, first of all, come and see if my family even owned that home anymore and then to ask about me.
3: Wow. So, oh, so they didn't know you were there?
2: They had no idea. Huh. So I just basically reestablished a connection with both of them, and I had dinner with the female friend not too long ago. We were catching up 10-plus years' worth of history very different lives now she's married and children so let me tell you something the hat man did not even come up Mm -hmm. and i say the hat man because i don't know it literally was something that had a hat on
3: right right
2: (laughs) but i i don't know again like with my father and 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 with what what my mom saw i don't know what it was right I think when you hear about the Hat Man now, you hear about sleep paralysis. uh, You hear it happens in the bedroom. Mm -hmm. You know, this was like right out in the public.
3: Yeah, I think I had one like way back and I couldn't even begin to tell you what episode it was on. But way, way back of somebody who saw like a man with a hat kind of thing outside the window. I believe they said they had glowing eyes or something. Again, I I might be getting the details wrong. But yeah, most of the, you know, quote unquote hat man stuff, they almost seem like just like shadow people that happen to be wearing hats or something.
2: Yeah. What's weird too, I don't know if it was an omen in some regard. You know, I've had a lot of years to think about, but I can tell you that the following year was one of the most difficult years of my life. Hmm. The age of 27 into the age of 28 was very difficult for me. Mm
5: -hmm.
2: I mean like medical issues and other issues that were beyond my control. So I don't know. I don't, you know, you just kind of look back and you wonder what they are. The biggest thing is it had no feet. It was floating and it had no face, you know. Mm-hmm. Did you ever get to confirm with your friends, like, they definitely saw what you saw? Yeah, because they they did discuss it, you know, that night.
5: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: But it was very kind of, you know, because we shared it with my friend's parents. Right,
3: right, yeah, yeah.
2: You know how um, certain Native American cultures state like don't talk about skinwalkers like don't don't give it any thought power at all yeah yeah i think that was the mindset of my friends they just did not want to give it any thought at all they i mean as uh, you talk about trauma they just wanted to wipe it out Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that's why i bring up the Catholic upbringing and which there's nothing wrong with. I mean, I consider myself Catholic. I just think for them, it shook them up. It affected them on a different level. Mm -hmm. I was able to talk about it. I am able to talk about it. It'll be interesting to see what happens now that I've reacquainted myself with them. Mm Mm-hmm. And if I have an update, I'll send you an email. <laughs> <laughs> <All> right, <yeah. laughs> you know, I'll probably will bring it up to them eventually.
3: Is it the kind of thing where when this gets published, you would point them to the podcast and say, hey, listen to this?
2: <laughs> I probably well, I probably will. Okay. I mean,
3: yeah, no, that may or may not get them talking, you know. And look, there's no right way to handle this stuff, right? Like this stuff is so out of the ballpark you know, no matter what it is, you know, we're often told when we're little and probably, I think a lot of times, because our parents don't want to scare us, this stuff isn't real. uh, Don't worry about it. And then when it happens to people, it's like getting slapped upside the head, right? And a lot of people are like, I don't know, like they just, however people deal with it, I think is fine, right? I'm happy for people like you who are willing to come on the show and talk about it, because I think that's great. And other people share their experiences and it sort of makes it okay for people to share in a sense. And I'm very happy about that. And I'm very happy. Strange Familiaries gets to be the place for that. But I also don't blame the other reactions. Like if people just like, nah, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to think about it. It happened. And that's that. I don't blame people at all for that.
2: You know, it's similar in lines, even with the worker of, you know, the guy who worked with my uncle. Yeah. Oh, oh. cause I think he told him, you know, all right, man. I'm gonna tell you, but I only want to talk about this once. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah
3: I fault people. However, people need to deal with it. I, I really don't fault them at all. You got to deal with it. You got to move on. You got to live life. So people are gonna deal with it different ways. So, but yeah.
2: And I'm convinced for every testimonial, for every story that's shared, there's like ten stories that will never be shared.
3: Absolutely. You absolutely, know. I absolutely, because I become fearless about talking with virtual strangers about this stuff. I don't have to know somebody very long before I'm like, "Hey, ever had anything weird happen?" You know, <laughs> and yeah, yeah. There's a number of people who are just like, "Yeah," and they'll maybe tell you a story and then it's like hey you want to share it like no I told you the story that's that you know Oh wow! I've had quite a few stories that I would love to bring on the podcast especially local people I was putting out ads when I was writing my first book if you encounter anything weird you know blah 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 and they would tell me the story and then I'd say oh will you please come on the podcast they're like no way
2: (laughs) oh wow yeah 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 I think there's a lot of negatives to technology in some regards specifically Mm -hmm. when you get into social media and the effect that it has on young people oh yeah yeah but I really truly believe that one of the positives are people sharing such stories and inadvertently not maybe not even realizing that it is a form of therapy
3: oh absolutely Mm -hmm. Yeah, just the number of people who've who've contacted me, like, oh, I heard this story, and it's it's what I saw, and you know, I'm not crazy, or, you know, finally someone else talked about whatever I saw. It's, it's, yeah, absolutely, it is.
2: Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. Like literally, that line, "I'm not crazy." Mm -hmm. Someone else saw this as well, and also just the history and folklore. I mean, we, we call them, you know, whatever they are, but. People have been documenting things for decades, for um, centuries, actually. Mm -hmm. You know, centuries people have been seeing things. So,
3: right, right. Yeah. And and we tend to associate folklore with, you know, rural communities or, you know, different ethnic communities and stuff. It still happens. It's just, I mean, it happened to you, right? Whatever walked down the street, a hundred years ago would have been turned into something else and would have entered local folklore as this or that. I truly believe whatever our ancestors were seeing this and is now transmuted into, you know, quote unquote folklore is just this stuff, you know, and it's just them telling stories about the weird stuff they saw.
2: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I want to thank you for this podcast again. um, you know, I think I saw other podcasts and I knew there was probably others I could have reached out to, but I really liked the structure that you have, and I hope more people reach out to you. I could say you provide a um, very—I'll just say—safe space (laughs) to share. (laughs) You know, like no judgment zone. And I—and again, I think for—I mean, I was nervous to come on, but I think for other people who really may have trauma from it, hopefully. They can see the opportunity to share it, and maybe it will help them with what they experienced.
3: Man, that's a great endorsement. Thank you so much. <laughs> I should put, make a commercial out of that for Strange <laughs> <laughs> Well,
2: thanks for sharing your stories, Eric. You're welcome, Tim.
3: Thank your family. Thank your mom and dad, too.
2: I will.
3: Okay, we actually have a Viking ship.
4: For sale this week.
3: Yeah, that's our curiosity.
4: There's no way you cleaned out the garage enough to get a Viking ship in there. <laughs> and if you did, thank you. Let's move the Viking ship out and then finally use the garage as it was intended instead of junk storage for like to put a car in it.
3: You'd have to be a very tiny.
4: A little Viking.
3: Yeah, fairy sized maybe. Yeah. I don't know if this would float. I think it might sink right to the bottom.
4: Yeah, but just little. Mm-hmm. So it's cute on its way down. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, it's, it's a cool-looking Viking ship. It's got the shields on the side and stuff. What is this?
4: It's actually a salt cellar, which is like a fancy thing they used to use where you would just put salt in this little tiny dish, and now, then it would, would have a little—
3: a, Would you take a pinch of it, or would you have a little— There would be a little spoon, and little I think
4: spoon. a little spoon probably did accompany that, that at one point, but we don't have a little spoon anymore. So.
3: Mm-hmm. Is this pewter?
4: I believe so, Yes.
3: I think all of our table settings should be Viking themed now.
4: Yeah, but did so you not want to sell us? <laughs> no, no, no. This, this will
3: be our curiosity of the week.
4: Because I, I, you know, I always said you like if you need me, I'll be down in the salt cellar. I know, yeah, you like doing that joke. <laughs> it hasn't
3: landed once, but yeah. I keep trying. You've sold several salt cellars since doing the uh, antique stand things. So yeah, this, but this is neat. It'd be a little neat little decoration. In your yeah,
4: c- it's actually from I think a Finnish or Norwegian company. Yeah, I looked it up. It's it's either a Finnish company or or a Norwegian company that actually put it out originally.
3: So they're not culturally appropriating Viking. They're actually no, they really are Viking. I mean, yeah, 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 Vikings. They're, they're drawing from their own heritage. From
4: Vikings for Vikings, <laughs> or for whomever likes Viking gear.
3: But it'd be a cool little thing for your cabinet of curiosity or.
4: Yeah, and you actually could put rings in it. It's like it's small, but oh, yeah. it's enough to yeah. put like some little rings or something, a little trinket dish. That's yeah. why everyone calls Ashtrays now. They're all trinket dishes suddenly. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, yeah.
4: Because it's, it's less, less cool to put like vape pens in a dish.
3: Yeah. <laughs> if you had an altar to Freya or Thor or something, this could go there. Yeah. All right. That will be our Curiosity of the Week. I'll take a photo of that. I'll put it in the show notes. If you click on that, it'll take you to our Etsy shop where you can buy that and other curiosities of the week. Along with everything I mentioned at the top of the show, the Bigfoot with orb, canvas prints, black dog hoodies, mugs will be in in a week or week and a half, and the antique rosaries I mentioned. As I said, we're going to do a special every week going up to Christmas. For this week, if you buy any 9x12 print, you can get a second one of equal or lesser value for free. So Buy one print, get a second one of equal or lesser value for free. This only applies to the 9x12 prints in the Etsy shop. There's no code or anything like that. Just go ahead and order one and send me a message and say, hey, I want the extra print. Tell me which print you want with the extra one in the note for Etsy. And that deal will be good until the next episode. So probably a week from now. It
4: could be two of the same things. You can keep one for yourself and give one to a friend.
3: Two of the same thing. Yeah. The remark prints are the most expensive ones. If you want to get one remark print and get a second remark print free, you can do it. That's fine. Or you can get a remark print and one without a remark or whatever. There's... You know, different prices in there. But it, this only applies to the 9 by 12 prints because they can be shipped together. Some of the other prints can't because they're mm-hmm. too big. And once again, if you're looking for Strange Familiars merch like T-shirts, stickers, and more, if you go to strangefamiliars.com slash merch, there's pictures of everything there. If you click on that, it takes you right to the item in our Etsy shop. So I'd
4: like also like to add that uh, that is the only place to get legitimate merchandise because we've seen some other places recently.
3: Yeah. We don't do any print-on-demand anymore. Yeah, so there any of those print on demand shops, they're, they're just taking they're not us. people's artwork. Yeah, they're not us. The only place to get strange, familiar stuff now is from us. We're not dealing with any of those companies anymore. So if you're not getting it from us, the money's not helping the podcast at all. And I want to mention Black Rose Antiques in Hanover. It's where we have our stand with Chad. Chad's been killing it with wool. I'm sure he'll be adding more. Chad's got wool, he's got axes, he's got hatchets, they've got a good selection of knives. That his buddy Tom has made. We've got a lot of glass. You've been doing really well with like glass over there. Like uh, uranium glass and other like special, what do you call that? Like special glass. Art glass. Art and glass, stuff yeah. And
4: depression glass.
3: A lot of framed stuff over there. A lot of cool frame stuff. Got a cool tarot print framed over there right now. A lot of my books are there. I believe I've signed them so you can get my books signed there as well. Check it out. It's Black Rose Antiques in Hanover, Pennsylvania. You will be expanding to another location soon. We'll talk about that at the time. That'll be in the new year.
4: It is. It'll be in February.
3: Yeah. But for now, Black Rose Antiques, you can pick up our stuff there. And you never know. You might run into me one day. I might be over there restocking stuff.
4: I'll politely bow out if you (laughs) (laughs) are.
3: Might run into Chad. I think he's there more than us. You have a good chance of running into Chad.
4: Yeah. If you see someone in Buffalo Platte over there, odds are it's Chad. Odds
3: are it's Chad. (laughs) Although it is Hanover.
4: Yeah, the buffalo plaid quotient is a little higher in Hanover. A little bit higher, yeah.
3: Great little antique mall, Black Rose. Very nice people. Glad to be a part of that. All right. That's it for this episode of Strange Familiars. We'll be back soon with more. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Color Arts. Intro and background music is by Stonebreath. If you want to hear more or purchase music, you can go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars. There's the Strange Familiars gathering group there that you can join. We're on Instagram, at strangefamiliars, one word, no underscore. You can find us on the web at strangefamiliars.com. And as I said, if you're looking for merch strangefamiliars.com slash merch.
5: I can't.